over the next, I don't know how many, we'll see how many it takes. It could take quite a few. I'm going to preach messages along the lines of the judgment seat of Christ. You say, well, preacher, how can there be so many? You'd be surprised how much is in your Bible about the judgment seat of Christ. And uh, probably next to maybe the doctrine of salvation, being people being saved, the next greatest doctrine in your Bible is the judgment seat of Christ. And as born-again believers, the thing you better know is in your heart and in your life, and in lieu of everything you do, must be you're going to stand at the judgment seat of Christ someday. And I would be remiss as your pastor if I did not forewarn you, and you've gotten it many times before, and you're going to get it many times ahead if the Lord tarries, and I pray it happens tonight. I pray we go tonight. I pray you're ready right now for it. And I trust you've sewn your garments, and you won't be up there naked, and you'll get what you need, and you'll have an inheritance, and I'll go through everything I can go through you in the Bible to give you everything you need on this earth to know when you get to heaven, you laid it up, up, up there, and you got something up there waiting you. You don't just have rewards, but you have an inheritance. You have a garment that's been sewn. And, about, and I'll tell you what, man, you go all the way back to Genesis and Adam and Eve. Why, why, how did they know they were naked? And what did the Lord bring them? He brought them something to cover them, right? And the Bible talks about those that would be naked and ashamed in heaven. And we'll get to all that down the road and sewing your garment and making sure where you're at. But let's just start right here and lay the foundation, if I could, please, tonight. I'd like to try to lay the foundation for us tonight. So Romans chapter 14. Find Romans 14, find 1 Corinthians 3, and find 2 Corinthians 5, if you would, please. Romans 14, 1 Corinthians 3, 2 Corinthians 5. Put a bookmark in the Corinthians and come back to Romans, if you would, please, and I'll start there. Let me pray and ask the Lord to bless it. Heavenly Father, Lord, help us tonight. Lord, every born-again believer there is, Lord, should have this thought on their mind, the judgment seat of Christ. <clears throat> what's going to take place in my future up there, Lord, and we're going to stand before a judgment. Thank God I won't be judged for my sins. Thank God they're in the blood of Jesus Christ. What sins are you talking about? That's a real blessing to us, Lord, and that's a, a real, real, real great truth, Lord, that, that is a blessing to us down here. But, Lord, we will be judged for our works. And Lord, I pray, God, we get a hold of that and make sure, Lord, that what we're doing down here, we do because we love you, Lord, and the motive behind what we do, in Jesus' name. Amen. I have you in Romans 14. Look in verse number 10, if you would, please. Romans 14, 10. The Bible says, But why dost thou judge thy brother, or why dost thou set it not thy brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. So let me just stop there just for a second there. And other Bibles there, they want to change that judgment seat of Christ to the judgment seat of God. It's not the judgment seat of God, it's the judgment seat of Christ for the church. Jesus Christ is God, but in the Bible, he calls it the judgment seat of Christ. There's two judgments in your Bible. Listen, listen, there's two judgments. A lot of churches want to make one general judgment, and they'll say the second coming of Jesus Christ, and they'll talk about the second coming, and in, in, in that second coming, they include that as the rapture. The second coming of Christ is not the rapture. The church gets out before the Lord comes back the second time. You have a first advent and you have a second advent. The first advent was in Luke chapter 2, for unto us is born this day. That's when Jesus Christ came to this earth the first time. And his feet touched the ground and he lived on this earth 33 and a half years and went to the cross of Calvary and died for us. That's the first advent. Then he ascended up on high and he's seated at the right hand of the Father. 
So when the Bible talks about, I preached to you the other day, the day of Christ, the day of God, and the the day of the Lord. The day of the Lord will be at the Armageddon there, and at the end of that thing, the Lord's coming back to this earth the second time. That's called the second advent, or the second coming of Christ. But before that takes place, the church rises out of here. Amen, glory to God, hallelujah. Why? The church, we're a pre-tribulation church. The church gets out before the tribulation starts. All right, so we get out, the church rises, the rapture, the rapture, the Lord does not come all the way back to the earth to get us. We meet him in the sky, we meet him in the air, up there in the clouds. I like cloud, I like cloud-filled days. I pray for a lot, I like rain, but I like cloud-filled days. Why? I can't wait to meet him in those clouds. All right, so that's the rapture, that's what the church, you say, well, the word rapture is not in the Bible. Well, catching up, catching out, Revelation chapter 4, we get caught out of this place. That's what you're looking forward to, by the way, church. That should be on your mind. He got there in Sunday school. You should get a little excited about that once in a while, man. You just kind of, man, you just kind of sense it, man. It's just wrapping up. And it is wrapping up. And I think one of the reasons the Lord's taking us this direction is I think you're going to be at the judgment seat of Christ sooner than what you think. And I don't care if it's tomorrow or 100 years from now. It's going to be here real soon. And you're going to want something. You're going to, want to, you're going to, you're going to regret the day you didn't prepare for the judgment seat of Christ. All right, so here in Romans chapter 14, he tells you here, he calls it here. He says, we shall all stand. Now, that all is not everybody. Lost people do not appear at the judgment seat of Christ. All right, that all, uh, Paul's writing to Romans. He's writing to Christians here. He's writing to the church here. And only the church gets raptured, and only the church will stand at the judgment seat of Christ. Old Testament saints do not go to the judgment seat of Christ. Old, judgment, Old Testament saints will be judged at the great white throne judgment. Well, I thought that was just for lost people. Go to Revelation 20. Let me just show it to you. I'm not going to go fast. I'm going to try to lay it out for you. Revelation 20. Well, preacher, I already know this. Well, just hang in there. Repetition's good, and there are some people that might be getting it for the first time. All right? And it's good to know your Bible. People come from all kinds of places and get taught, taught all kinds of things. Nothing like a King James Bible to clear things up for us. All right? So when it says, we shall all stand. Well, what about Old Testament saints? Old Testament saints are not in the body of Christ. Old Testament saints do not make up the body. The only one, it took the death of the testator, at the death of the testator, then the New Testament began, and that's when the body of Christ begins. That's anyone after the cross makes up the body of Christ. Anyone before the cross and anyone after the rapture and the, and the tribulation and millennium that make it in there don't make up the body of Christ. There's something special about you. You're a peculiar people. All right? What, what a privilege. I can't, I can't grasp. Do you ever really consider you make up the body of Christ? I don't know what that looks like. I read it to you this morning, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, the ear, the foot, the hand, and all that kind of stuff. When you get up there, however that goes into him like that, it just blows my mind. I'm just glad I'm in it. (laughs) All right? But here in Revelation chapter 20, in verse number 11, you have the great white throne judgment. All right? You say, well, I only thought lost people were judged at the great great white throne. Well, they are, but there's others that are judged there also. Look at verse number 11, please. Um, Actually, I might need to back it up. Is it 19? Just stay right there. And uh, there's another passage that talks about it. But let me just read 11, 2011. Uh, he says, And I saw a great white throne, and him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. And the books were open, and another book was open, which is the book of life. And the de- dead were judged out of those things which were written in the book according to their, according to their works. 
All right. So again, that's the judgment seat of Christ. Now they get judged at the judgment seat of Christ for their work at the great white throne judgment for their works. You get judged at the judgment seat of Christ for your works, your your sin debt's been paid in the blood of Jesus Christ. And he says, and the sea gave up the dead which were in it. Death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. And they were judged every man according to their works and death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. And there's another part there in Revelation. I can't find it right this moment. It's not coming to my mind there where it talks about the saints will also be judged there. Those are Old Testament saints. Old Testament saints will show up at the great white throne judgment up there. And in the Old Testament, it wasn't just faith alone for their salvation. It was faith and works. All right. But that's back there. So there's a judgment here called the great white throne judgment there. You know where you'll be at the great white throne judgment? You'll be there, but you'll be behind Jesus Christ. And you're going to be real thankful you're behind Jesus Christ at that time, man. When you're seeing everything going on there and you're thinking, man, thank God, thank God, I already bowed the knee, man. I'm good. Woo, why, man? You're seeing people cast in the lake of fire left and right up there. And you're just thanking God you got saved. You'll be thanking God you're saved. But that's the great white throne judgment. So you have the judgment seat of Christ. You've got the great white throne judgment. In, in uh, Bible Institute a few times there, a few Classes ago, I taught about the seven judgments. There's more than just two judgments here, but these are the judgments here. But what happens here, go back to uh, Romans chapter 14, please. Just so you can delineate, the great white throne judgment is, is different judgment than the judgment seat of Christ. And can I help you out? It's not called the Bema seat. Many people try to refer to that judgment someday as the Bema. And they'll go in there and they'll find it in places like that. The Bible calls it the judgment seat of Christ and the great white throne judgment, all right? They don't like the word judgment. You're going to be judged. You're just not going to be judged for your sins, which should make you all get up and do a lap in your heart. You're going to be judged for your works. Your sin was, isn't that a blessing, man? Your sin was placed in him. Never to pay for that. I mean, that blows my mind again. But here we go, Romans 14, 10. But why dost thou judge thy brother? Why dost thou set it not thy brother? For we shall all stand. Now, I don't know, because every time you get there in Revelation there, when John gets before the Lord and he sees the Lord, and then Isaiah sees the Lord and others see the Lord, you know what happens when they got in the presence of God? They aren't standing. I'm pretty sure you'll find yourself down. Down. But here you're going to stand. It says you'll all stand. Stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Verse 11. For it is written, as I live, saith the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to God. So then everyone, and here's an important verse. Here's an important verse for you to understand the judgment seat of Christ. So every one of us shall give an account of himself to God. So listen now, as you're getting ready for the judgment seat of Christ, you are going to have a personal time with God. You're not going to be judged. It's not going to be a corporate ju- a judgment there. It's not going to be your family and all of you gathered together standing there. It's not going to be all of us as a church family gathered there. Each one of us is going to be personally accountable to God. That gets me. That kind of gets me a little nervous. I'm glad I'm saved. But man, when I start reading about this thing and knowing, man, well, Lord, what have I done for you? Well, what will it be like for me? You can read some passages there where it talks about suffering loss and the terror of the Lord and loss of rewards. And man, it, 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 all at the judgment seat of Christ. If the, if the picture there of a Nesphorus there and the, and the mercy that was needed for him at the judgment seat of Christ, that was Paul's talking about there at that day. He prayed he'd have mercy. Why would you need mercy? But you are personally, your name will be called forth. 
Say, preacher, how do you think it's going to happen? I don't know. I don't know. Listen, I, I know so little, I think, about what that day. I, we got enough to know it's coming, and we got enough to know what to prepare for. But how it all kind of plays out up there, boy, I'm still trying to figure out myself. I'm just glad I'm going. I'm glad I'm going. But I want to be prepared for it. You want to be prepared for it. Here it says, every man shall give an account of what? You know what that tells me, ladies and gentlemen? Stop running other people's races down here and run your own race. You spend so much time sticking our nose in other people's business and worrying about other people and talking about other people and saying this about other people. You're not going to give an account for other people. You're going to give an account for your own self. Personal. Personal. <clears throat> you will stand there before Jesus Christ. Why? So then every one of us shall give an account of himself to God. <laughs> I don't know. I, we, we, you ever... You know, has somebody bigger than you, and you talk about somebody or something like that that's bigger than you, but you, you got your you big talk because they're not around. But when you're in their presence, you kind of settle down a little bit because you know they can whip your hiney. Right? You, you ever heard the phrase, you wouldn't say that in my presence? I think we say a lot of things not knowing that God's right here because you don't see Him. There's a lot of things we do because we don't fear God. We think, well, we're just going to get away with it. What's the matter there? God, is God really the record keeper? I'm telling you what, he's the best record keeper there ever was. And he's keeping record. And one day you're going to have to face him. Well, I can't wait to see him. I can't wait to see him either. But you're going to see him at a judgment seat. And you're going to face God Almighty, Jesus Christ, the judge. And he's going to call your name out. And you're going to have to give an account for yourself. Are you ready? Are you ready tonight? Are you ready right now for that? Well, preacher, I'm saved. I'm ready. Okay, you're ready to go to heaven because you're saved. But are you ready for the judgment seat of Christ? Well, look what else it says. I'm telling you, when this scene begins to lay out, I hope it does what it has done to me. And it makes me want to do more and more and more for Jesus Christ. I don't want to waste my days down here. My days aren't down here for me. My days on this earth are for him. You better get a hold of that. Listen, you, the decisions you make tonight, are they for your best interest or are they for the best interest of the Lord? Do you have your best interest in mind, interest in mind or do you have the Lord's best interest in mind? Why? Because what you do for you down here is going to burn up. What you do for yourself and all the things you do and the decisions you make, and when you don't put God in the decisions and make the decisions based upon your love for God and get the Lord in that thing, I'm telling you, it's for your best interest, and ultimately that is not your best interest. Your best interest is to do everything you can for the Lord. Why? Because you're going to go to a judgment seat. Here he says again in 14, 13. Let us not therefore judge one another anymore, but judge this rather, that no man put a stumbling block on occasion to fall in his brother's way. Take your Bible and go to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. So in Romans 14, you realize you're going to be there and have a personal account to God. Say, preacher, that puts a little, puts a little stress on the situation, doesn't it? Put a little pressure on it, doesn't it? No, I think it's great liberty to be able to serve Jesus Christ. That's a real blessing. That should be on your mind. It should always be on your mind. You know what will keep you from loving this world? Love him and know you're going to give him a personal account to him for your works. Thank God your sin debt's paid. You'll never have to give an account for your sin. But you know what keeps you from walking out those doors into the world? I'm going to face him someday. And you're going to face him someday. 
1 Corinthians chapter 3, if you would. Verse number 11, please. <clears throat> According to the grace of God, which is given unto me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation, and another, mil- another buildeth thereon. But let every man take heed how he buildeth thereupon. For other foundation can no man lay that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. So the foundation for everything you do in life, for your ministry. So I'm not, in, I'm not a minister. We're all ministers of Jesus Christ. We all have the ministry of reconciliation. Listen, your ministry might just be sitting in a pew at church. That's a great ministry. Your ministry might be going to the nursery. Whatever your ministry is, the foundation of everything you do must be Jesus Christ. The motive behind what I do is not for me, it's not for others, it's for Jesus Christ. That little acronym with joy, Jesus, others, you. It must be that the Lord is preeminent. He is the foundation for everything I do. Whether I get a thank you, whether I get praise for men, whether I ever get recognized for it down here, whether I ever get gratitude down here, whatever, whatever, that is not my motive. My motive is I did it for Jesus Christ. And it doesn't matter if other men, I'm not doing it for others, I'm doing it for the Lord. That's the foundation behind it. That should be the foundation behind what you do for everything. You go off to work tomorrow, you know your foundation is the Lord. You serve your master tomorrow, but your, your, your foundation is, I serve my master, my employer to, uh, here because I love the Lord. That's why you work with every ounce of, of energy and you do right and those things, you're doing it for the Lord. All right, so he says again here, <clears throat> I have uh, 11, for other foundation can no man lay that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if any man build upon this foundation, here's what you build upon, all right? Here's the rewards and some things here, and I'll break this down later on in other messages here, especially when it comes to gold. There's something about gold and righteousness and the deity of Jesus Christ. But here are the rewards here, and he starts out here in verse number 12, and he says, now if any man build upon this foundation. So you got the picture, right? If you, your foundation's Jesus Christ. If you're going to receive the gold, the silver, and the precious stones, what you had to do had to be done for the love of Jesus Christ. The motive behind what you're doing is Jesus Christ. He's the foundation for everything I do. That's the foundation for my works. That's the foundation for my service. That's the foundation for everything I do. And upon that foundation, when you get up to the judgment seat of Christ, and it's going there, and it's going to go on the fire up there, if it's going to come out here, comes some things here. He says, first of all, gold. Now, gold symbolizes deity in the Bible. It'll symbolize righteousness. There's some things it does. But I think one of the things you might understand, especially when you see what happened with the new Bibles and the devil behind those things there, and the great attack there is on the deity of Jesus Christ and the deity alone. You know, gold is a type, is a symbol, symbolizes the deity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. He gave you this morning all these religions today that deny the deity, deny that Jesus Christ is God. You know you'll get rewarded just for believing that Jesus Christ is God. You'll be rewarded, I think, someday up there in heaven that you stuck to the King James Bible and didn't let them attack the deity. Why? The deity is awful important to God. So he says here, you got, again, that gold, and when you build upon that gold, and every time you worship Jesus Christ as God. You know, it says there, Every man shall give an account that day, and you'll stand before God, but you know who you're standing before? Jesus Christ. Why? He is God. You know there's people in this world that get real upset and sideways when you say Jesus Christ is God. 
But I think you're rewarded in glory for recognizing Jesus Christ as God and declaring that and preaching that to a lost and dying world. All right, so he says here again, that gold there, you worship Jesus Christ as God. Every time you honor God in your life, every time you give him preeminence, why? You're you're giving him the place he deserves. Every time you put God above yourself, your family, your friends, go to Matthew chapter 6, if you would, please. Matthew chapter 6. You know, Paul talks about the Lord being preeminent. You say, well, preacher, I've read that verse, but I think you get rewarded for every time you let make him preeminent. Why? How often do you put others before God? How often is your decision making based upon friend, family, or anything else except God? Your decision should be based upon God. God first. God first in everything you do. Not family, not wife, not husband, not kids, not pastor, not, not the church. It's God. Do you put God first in every one of your decisions? The Lord will let you know someday. Or did you choose family? Listen, many decisions are based upon family first instead of God first. You better base your decisions God first. Why? You're going to throw that thing in the fire someday. People go along life and they just go down and they make all these decisions and this kind of stuff. And you know what? You know where God is? He's in the back of the bus. And everything else is in the forefront. It's all about me and myself and decisions based upon my life. It's not your life. It's his life. The only reason you have life is he gave you life. Your life belongs to him. But how often, man, how often? Well, my kids, you know, they, they, what, 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 wait, wait, my kids? What about God first? Well, you know, you know, preacher, you know, my, my, my job, well, my job, what about God first? Well, I need money. No, you need God first. Your decision, when you get to the judgment seat of Christ up there, and anything you put job first, money first, career first, education first, family first, friends first, anything else first is going in that fire. And I'll tell you what, it's not coming out gold. Why? He said he needs to be the preeminence of everything in our life. Boy, that gets me, right? But I'm just trying to get you to think that way. How often we leave God out of a lot of things, just easy decisions. God should be in every thought. I want him in every thought. I don't want to be left to my own ways, my own thoughts. His ways aren't my ways. My thoughts aren't his thoughts. He gave us a book. He gave us the spirit of God inside us. So he says here again, every time you put God above yourself, your family, your friends. I told you before, I heard that old preacher say, well, a, lot, a lot of wisdom in what he says. He says he doesn't go to his wife, he doesn't go to his kids, he doesn't go to people. He, he extracts the noise because he needs to hear from God first. And ladies and gentlemen, you need to hear from God first. 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 Preeminent in everything. The gold, the deity, symbolizing the deity. I have you in Matthew chapter 6, look in verse number. You thought I lost my mind, but I haven't. I, I knew where I was at. Verse 20, 19. 19. Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth. Now I realize where I'm at, Matthew chapter 6. I realize where I'm at indoctrinally here. Where moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. I'm telling you, ladies and gentlemen, this earth can get us. 
The treasures of this earth, man, our heart can be given to those things. And we care more about, Doc wrote that picture there of the rapture happening. And he has people going up feet first, holding on to their treasures. There should be nothing on this earth that's more important to you than God. There's nothing on this earth you can't leave behind and get ready to leave this place right now. Right now. I'm not talking about the souls, I mean, I'm talking about earthly possessions where moth and rust doth corrupt. If you have not seen anything over the last few days, and it is very sad, please don't get me wrong, but it is very sad out there in Hawaii, but have you not seen what's going to happen someday to this whole earth? It all burns up. It all Rightfully so, God gives you all things to enjoy, but he doesn't give you those things to make gods out of them. He doesn't give you those things to take his place. He doesn't give you those things to make decisions on things. Things should be not, not be more important to you. Your house shouldn't be more important to you. Having a house shouldn't be more important to you than God. Well, my life won't be complete. I've lived in... Listen, I rented homes. I told you before I moved my wife. I don't know. She'll tell you. We owned a home when we first got married. And probably for the next 22 years, we never owned a home. But can I tell you, in the light of eternity, that means nothing. Her goal and my goal is never to have to own another home. Our desire was to serve Jesus Christ. I got it. No one lives in a cardboard box. But if you lived in a cardboard box and God was pre- pre- preeminent in your life, you have a real good life and you have a better up there. And a whole lot less to leave behind down here. Amazing how we can get things. Well, God gave it to me. Well, I, I, I realize all good gifts come down from the Father above. But sometimes I wonder if we just don't gather some things. And in, in, in Exodus back there, you know what they did to the, uh, Pharaoh did to those children of Israel? He just gave them, made them more busy. Just more things, more busy. No time for God. Amazing how things replace God real quick. So now has it. Well, when you get to the judgment seat of Christ, you'll find out. You'll find out if you gave more time to things and more time to possessions and more time to things that don't matter. A hill of beans in eternity. Hill of beans, young people, that's a term. You don't have, you know. <laughs> I don't know what a hill of beans is, but I, I had to, when I was a kid, we had to snap green beans. And man, it was a mountain. A mountain of beans. But you better understand that. Your life isn't about down here. If your life's about down here, it's about the wrong place. He says there where your heart is, there will your treasure be also. You know what you treasure? You treasure God. You treasure the spirit of God inside of you. You treasure Jesus Christ. You treasure his book. That you, where your heart will be, you'll make better decisions and you'll have a better eternity. Why? We don't all get the same cookie in eternity. I'll show you. I'll show you. I'm going to lay it out for you. Lay it out detail by detail, let you chew on it, let you eat it, let you swallow it. You think you're going to get up there, and just because I'm saved, I'm going to have everything everybody else has, and you might get up the glory up there, and you're going to find out, man, you are suffering loss up there. You have loss of rewards up there. You're not even be able to go places that other people go. You're not going to be able to do things other people are able to do. I'm going to tell you, you better pay attention to that now. Why? Because when it's done here, it's too late. So here he comes in here with the gold. Go back, if you would, please. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Again, I'm just laying the foundation for you tonight. Judgment seat of Christ. Put it back on the forefront of your thoughts. It should always be there. 
Well, preacher, I, I just don't think the rapture is imminent. doesn't matter if you think it's imminent or not. God, Jesus is going to come when, when God says come, man. And it could be right now. It can be. It can be. Well, this has to happen, this has to happen, this has, Well, just live like it's going to be right now. You'll be better off in eternity. It'll help you out. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse number 12. He says, now if any man build upon this foundation, and one of the rewards is gold, the next one is silver. Silver. Go to Numbers chapter 3, please. Numbers chapter 3. Silver in the Bible is the price of redemption. Jesus was sold for 30 pieces of what? Jesus was sold for 30 pieces of what? Thank you. Price of redemption. 30 pieces of silver is all they, he thought he was worth. I hope he's worth a whole lot more of that to you. Peter said, silver and gold have I none. <laughs> but I have something worth more than silver and gold. Listen, if you're saved today, you have something worth a whole lot more than silver and gold. Next Sunday night, I'm going to preach on the gold standard. But you have something a whole lot better than silver and gold. You have Jesus Christ. It's, he's priceless, by the way, for you and me. Numbers chapter 3. Silver. Silver. Look at verse 47, please. Thou shalt even take five shekels apiece by the pole after the shekel of the sanctuary. Shalt thou take them to shekel as 20 geras. And thou shalt give the money wherewith the odd number of them is to be redeemed. There's your word, redeemed unto Aaron and to his sons. And Moses took the redemption money, the redemption money of them that were over and above, that were with the redeemed of the Levites. And that's silver. The price of redemption is silver. I think, I think when you get to glory up there, go back if you would please to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. The silver that's handed out is for every time you tell a person how uh, witness to someone. Why? It's the price of redemption. Redemption. You know when you're witnessing someone, you're telling someone about Jesus Christ, when you lead someone to Christ? Oh, I don't know, but there's a reward and glory up there, and that possibly that could be the silver. That could be the silver. Have you ever led someone to Christ? I ain't trying to put you on the spot. I know many of you hand out tracts, and that's a blessing, and many of you witness, and that's a blessing because the Bible says Paul watered and, and, and uh, Paul planted and Apollos watered. God gave the increase. I believe that. You can't save them. God saves them. But our part is to be an ambassador for Jesus Christ and to give out the gospel. Amen. Listen, ladies and gentlemen, you need to be giving out the gospel. Amen. You get to the judgment seat of Christ and you never witness to someone, I'm going to tell you what, you're going to suffer that. You'll suffer a loss of rewards that you could have had just by being a witness for Jesus Christ. What a blessing to be an ambassador for Jesus Christ. If there's anyone you should want to talk about, it should be Jesus. If there's anyone you want the world to hear about, it should be Jesus, not you. I just wonder sometimes we get up there and the Lord might just play back the tape. I'm not saying it's going to go like this, but just go with the preaching here. How much we talked about our kids and our grandkids compared to how much we talked about Jesus. We tell everybody about our kids, and you grandparents, you tell everybody about your grandkids, and we talk about them and their achievements and all the things they've done and all the education and all the career and all the things and all the things they accomplished. What have we said about Jesus? Great question, isn't it? Kind of gets on me too, doesn't it? You know, he's worth talking about more than anyone else. He's worth opening your mouth for than anyone else. Well, preacher, I don't have the courage. I guarantee you, you take that first step. The Lord will help you the rest of the way. I guarantee you, you just begin to open your mouth and talk about Jesus. You'd be real surprised how that thing comes out, man. Why? Your heart and life should be about Jesus Christ. 
You know the reason why a lot of people don't talk about Jesus, don't witness to other people? I get it. Hold on. Because you're ignorant. Well, I don't know what to say. You got a whole Bible right there. Tell them how you got saved. Verse yourself in the Bible. It will help you. So I'll ask you. You're going to throw it in the fire. Your ministry. I'm not a minister. We're all ministers of Jesus Christ. Everyone in this room saves a minister of Jesus Christ. Every one of us is a minister of Jesus Christ. So when you throw your ministry in up there, and it goes in the fire, you're going to have any silver come out? Anyone the Lord used you to be a witness to? I told you before, tracks will turn into faces. You've left tracks, praise the Lord, keep leaving tracks. You've handed out tracks, praise the Lord, keep handing out tracks. I told you before, if you're a little nervous about handing out tracks, go with an old man. Go with that man. He's not old, but just go with a man. He's old. If you're a man, he'll take you. He'll take you. He won't throw you right into the fire, but you'll learn. If you're a lady, just hang around her for a little bit. She'll teach you how to hand out tracks. It'll build your, why? It'll be worth it when you get there. See, you're just thinking about down here right now. You're just thinking about all of you. Everything's about us down here, man. I don't think about me. I'm telling you, the judgment seat of Christ will show that thing out. How much time I thought, think about my own self, excluding God from everything in my life. Some of you don't even put God in any of your thoughts. You just go and do things. Don't even think about witnessing to people. To go a whole week and not think about a soul just pumping gas, the person on the other side of the pump, they're going to heaven or hell. Do you care? Do you care? The time to care is right now. Put a burden on you, man. They're burning in hell right now. I don't want anyone to go to hell. You know what lets me be a witness to someone and open my mouth and do it? You're a preacher. Okay. That's not it. The thought of them going to hell. The thought of someone going to hell, and they're right there in front of me. And I didn't take the time. I was all, life was all about me. I got I got This is going to mess up the judgment seat of Christ for a lot of us. You should never be too busy for the Lord. Silver. Silver. Redemption. I remember the first, I did a bus route into the ghetto when I was at Bob Jones University of all places. Strike that from the tape. Just kidding. I went to a church up there, a Baptist church, when I was attending school there, and they did a bus route into the ghetto. My dad said, get on that bus, son. There's a lost and dying world out there. Go witness the kids. So I did that bus route. And I remember one day I got off that bus, and man, I was scared. But boy, I saw all these kids running around. I saw a little boy. I think he was 11. He was sitting on the curb. His head was down like this. I just went over to him. 
life was just, for 11 years old, man, that kid was his poor life. And I sat down there and just started talking about Jesus to him. It's the first person that I personally, I was with my dad before, but that I personally was able to lead to Christ. Never forget that kid. Where is he now? Well, I know one thing, I'll see him in heaven someday. I'm telling you, ladies and gentlemen, you need to have a heart for souls. You need to care about the lost and dying world out there that's going to hell. And not just make it all about you and me. I do think that's a part of your life you'll throw in, the works you did for the Lord, to be an ambassador for Jesus Christ. I'll ask him one more time. You got anyone going with you? The old preacher said one time, you, can't, you don't take anything with you except, except those you led to Christ. Those are the ones that get to go with you to glory. You want to take something to heaven with you? Win someone to Christ. Tell them about Jesus. And then the last one there in that passage there, it's gold, silver, and precious stones. Precious stones. Go to Malachi chapter 3. I'm not going to get as far tonight as I thought I would, but I think I'll give you enough to at least think about it. I trust you go through this week, ladies and gentlemen, thinking about the message. Thinking about at any moment, at any moment, my life on this earth can end. And the next place I'm going is to a judgment seat of Christ. And what I'm going to give up there, I'm not going to give an account for my sin. Thank God, thank God, thank God, thank God, thank God. But I will give an account for my works. What I did for Jesus Christ. And the motive behind what I did for him. The gold, the silver. And listen, that's just three things. I'm not even to the crowns. I'm not to the inheritance. I'm not to your robe. I'm not to all the other things that are going to be up there for you. And ruling as as priests and uh, and kings and all the things that's ahead of you. This is a great book, ladies and gentlemen. You need to read it. You need to read it, not just for what helping you right here at this moment on this earth, but what's ahead of you. You got more ahead of you than you do on this earth. You got all eternity ahead of you. For the few short years you're on this earth, it's, listen, he gives you these few short years. It's like a vapor. It's not for you to live your life the way you want to live it. It's to live it for Jesus Christ. And then he rewards you for that someday. Malachi chapter 3 on those precious stones. Look at verse number 17, please. <clears throat> 16. Then they that feared the Lord spake often one to another, and the Lord hearkened and heard it. And a book of remembrance is more than just the book of life in your Bible. Here's the book of remembrance. Was written before him for them that feared the Lord and that thought upon his name. I'll stop there. Hold your finger there. Do you think about his name? That thought upon his name. Can I help you? Can I help you for the week? Let me give you something to go this week with. Think on his name. Think about glorifying his name, not your name. Think about not defaming his name. Think about that name, the name above all names that died for you. Think about the name that you carry out there. I don't want to mess up his name. I want my light to shine for him. They thought on his name. His name. You know your name won't last forever, but his name lasts forever. 
we're all worried about our name, you know, you know, don't defame our name. Or, you know, you carry the hunt, you know, you carry that name. You carry the name of Jesus. What a name. What a name. You know what's going to get you through this week? The name of Jesus. You know what's going to get you through hard times? The name of Jesus. You know what's going to get you through any, the sickness and all the things? The name of Jesus. Woo! What a name. They thought on that name. Seventeen, and they shall be mine, saith the Lord of hosts. In that day, well, that day you, we, we did that. That's the second coming. That day, when I make up my here it is jewels, and I will spare them as a man spareth his own son that serveth him. He's talking about those jewels and receiving those jewels. And then ye, shall ye return and discern between the righteous and the wicked, between him that serveth God and him that serveth him not. Now that's the Old Testament there. I'm going to tell you, there's jewels. When you get up there to glory, back to 1 Corinthians. Actually, go to 2 Corinthians 5. 2 Corinthians 5. I will just touch it and I'll let you go. But those precious stones, those precious stones. I think there you saw Malachi. I could take you to Zechariah chapter 9. I don't have time in Matthew chapter 13. Where there it referenced the body of Christ in Matthew 13. Although it's before the cross there. About a pearl of great price. You know, those something about discipling people. There's something about ironing sharpeneth iron. And the Lord using you as a file to sharpen other people, save people, and using you to minister to them and to sit down with them and, hey, come, let us reason together. And discipling people in the Bible there and discipling people that just got saved and teaching them the Word of God. We're all teachers of the Word of God, by the way. We're all students of the Word. You realize you study to teach? You learn, you don't just learn to be puffed up, right? Uh, knowledge puffeth up. You learn the Bible so you can teach it to others ready to give an answer. And I think somewhere along the line there, when your ministry there and you throw in the ministry the Lord gave you on this earth around other people and other believers there, when you throw it in there, those precious stones are going to be the people that you opened up the Bible to and discipled and showed them the truth of the Word of God at work and those times there when those men come to you and they ask you questions about the Bible and you take time with the Bible and you take time to tell people about Jesus Christ, you'll be rewarded someday for that. Don't just brush that up. What a blessing. You know what that should make you do? It should make you study the Bible. Learn it so you can teach others. What a blessing, man. So, well, that's just your job, preacher. It's all of our jobs. Someday you'll get rewarded. Precious stone for the people that you took time to open up a Bible. My brother-in-law stood outside in the sun the other day, witness to his neighbor. Hot, sweaty, blasted hot. What do you think about that? Oh, I think at the judgment seat. Could a man get saved? No, not yet. But you know at the judgment seat of Christ, the Lord will reward him. Why? He can't save him. But he did his part. Did his part. Didn't care about himself. Just sweat all the way down. Hot, all that stuff. But you know what? He cared about enough about a man's soul to stand out there in the sun and tell him about Jesus. You care enough to tell people? Do you see souls? Do you see people? You care enough to learn that Bible so you can teach it to others and help others? It doesn't just help you. It helps others. Well, that's what we got Brother John for. You know, he's a teacher, and he studies, and he gives it all to us. You know, he studies to teach you so you can teach others. He'll be rewarded for the people he taught here, but you'll be rewarded for the ones you teach. Precious! Precious stones. People. People. I'll come to 2 Corinthians.